this sound familiar? You are a healthcare expert. You know what to do. You ate right, exercised regularly, and took care of your own mental health. But you are still not feeling your best. You're frustrated, tired, and wondering why you're not seeing the result you desire. You probably hear the same thing from multiple of your patients as well. The truth is, there's a often overlooked factor that could be holding you back: pH balance in your body. Today, we'll discuss with metabolic expert Dr. Muhammad Nurstani to show you how chronically low metabolic acidosis are causing an imbalance in pH level, which contributes to a myriad of healthcare issues. Welcome to Providers Edge, the podcast that helps healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators. Break down barriers and control their business, life, and future with valuable action steps. With me, your host Sabrina Rombach, a recovered clinician and a business deal catalyst. Let's rewrite the rules and create a positive social impact while increasing your profitability. Welcome back. I'm your host Sabrina Rombach, and today we have another exciting speaker with us, Dr. Ahmed Muristani.、Um, He is someone who has experienced every single aspect of healthcare, from beginning of getting diagnosis, preventing treatment, to people who really needed to be hospitalized, even the sicker patient where we send them to the intensive care, and all the way to when they need to go to rehab and long-term care, and then going back to their home. And so he has amazing journey, and he's been a CEO of Balance Seven, his new way of treating how we have not thinking about. The whole wellness side of alternative medicine, and he's been in the medical field for more than fifteen years.、Um, very exciting person, and I'm so happy for you to join us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's excited, excited. I, I read about a lot about you and what you do, so it's amazing how you transform people from where they are to where they, you know, get their message. So,、uh, you know, I'm looking forward to reaching your audience. And hopefully, providing some meaningful, educational, as also informative、um, uh, it, it, information that they could use on their daily practice, daily life,、uh, and moving forward even into their businesses. Exactly. So well said. I、um, appreciate you. As you know, our audience are healthcare entrepreneurs, those leaders who are executive in their organization where they have been running、uh, some type of a medical practice or、uh, even healthcare innovation themselves,、uh, just similar in your shoes. So I would love to hear a little bit of background of how did you get to where you are today. <laughs> so I mean,、uh, after my I'm.、Uh... Internal medicine. I graduated with internal medicine degree as a hospitalist, and I mainly work at the hospitals in San Luis Obispo as a hospitalist, and I did some critical care along with being just an、uh, internal medicine hospitalist. You know, one of the first things that I did my first year after graduation and practicing was that seeing the the big need for uninsured, underserved people who have nowhere to go. At that time, we had thirty percent. Our population in California at least had、uh, no insurance and nowhere to go, so I created my first of five non-for-profits that really targeted those、uh, population, and we got you know over six hundred volunteers to just care for patients without charge, 
prepared. We provided pretty much A through Z, including dental, vision care, um, and it was amazing. And so far, we have done over $50 million for, worth of free care just in the, this local San, San Luis Obispo. And then it, one of the things that I realized earlier on is that medicine is just not, you know, just taking care of patients. There's so much more to it. So yes, patients come to the hospital, but what happens next? Why they're in the hospital? What happens when they go home? What happens if they too sick and go to the nursing home, assisted living facility? What happens if they're towards the end of their life and need to be transitioned to hospice and of life care? What happens? What happens? All that aspects of it was just intriguing to me. So I embark in that journey, make sure that conquer all those aspects. So I really understand it from ground up. I uh, became the director of the hospital and the director of multiple nursing homes. I run the caregiving company. I have assisted work at assisted living facilities, uh, end, of life, end of life care, you know, also with uninsured outpatient practice, inpatient practice. So just, you know, start learning that. It's been years in each one of those areas trying to understand the complexity of healthcare system in the United States and how, what are the challenges? I mean, how come as a physician, we don't understand it? And they're so complex. As I said, I spent years learning ins and out of everything and how it happens. There's so new, so much nuances within the practice that you don't go as a hospital, for example, you come in with the MI, you know, a heart attack, I take care of you and send you home, right? Prescription, see your primary and done. But I don't realize I ordered home health, but I don't think about the cost of the drugs. I don't care. I think about, hey, do you have a place to go first to get the home health needed or physical therapy, occupational therapy, et cetera? So that required years of experiencing or experimenting with the system and saying how as a whole I could provide uh, that sort of care and how do I understand it? Because without understanding, I cannot make decisions. And unfortunately, as a physician, we're so busy. You know what you've been in a practice. We're so busy that we just don't have time for anything else. We just want to take care of the patient, make him feel better, and voila, you go. And, you know, and the, the recent, you know, obviously medicine has become so complex financially, and we are really not entrepreneur. We're not business people. We've been drilled in our head that. Uh, take care of patient, take care of patient, take care of patient, and take care of patient. That's it. Nobody teaches how to be a business person, right? We just don't know how to take care of our finances. Maybe in the last five to 10 years, things have evolved a little bit, but about 90% of our physicians are just providers, and that's it. Yeah, you brought up some uh, major points I want to tap into. California, yes. Um, Last time I look up the numbers, California is one of the worst state with access to care issue. I'm in Texas. We're not that far behind. We're number five. Um, so you're like, oh my gosh, right? But also Texas, the border and California has that uh, issue as well. I mean, influx of constant people and they don't have care. They don't understand the concept of how to even seek care. So it's so amazing that you're able to create that foundation. And that's something that I even myself been doing is um, creating these uh, nonprofit to give people even virtual care, right? Because you you tapped into, it seemed like me, uh, when I used to uh, do a couple shifts in hospitals, they placed me into the ER. It's like, Sabrina, you just go admit all the patients, right? So, so we'll see them. Once you admit them, I'm like, okay. But sometimes 
you got four patients in an hour. And then some other time you, you barely got one. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm just trying to catch up. Right. And like, how do we even think about what to do next? Just to getting through the day. So the frustration of not even inpatient, uh, I think that the statistic I found recently saying, on average, physician outpatient seeing 25 patients per day, right? And so that means you barely have 10 minutes with your patient. How do we really take care of them when we're seeing so many if it's just happened to have an eight-hour day? That's why all of us putting our charts very late, right? Take home to write it, coming on the weekends. And it's it's just even work in the system on providing care. Therefore, we have no mental capacity to even think about what does that mean to be more than just provider to take care of my team? How do I help them to be more internally motivated? How do we help them to stick with us and be more patient with our patients, right? And not being so frustrated due to difficult encounters. So there's so many go into that. I, I, it's amazing how you're able to learn all those and start putting all the puzzle pieces together. Uh, and that, that's the exciting thing to be here, right, on this platform to to have you on and to learn from people who has so experienced and being able to dive deeper into these difficult issues that we're all facing and we're all trying to solve in different ways. You know, one of the biggest challenge is efficiency. As a physician, efficiency is so paramount. And unfortunately, the system is not designed for us to be efficient. Give you an example. About maybe 10 years ago, Cerner, the big, you know, giant Cerner that everybody uses in the hospital, they were creating, you know, the beta testing it in the hospital. And, you know, I, I was helping to create and see how the flaws of the system is and what, you know, what can we do to fix them? So there, you know, when you place an order, you press, click a button, right? Click, pick, and then click, you know, to order, click. So, you know, there were so many clicks per order. It was just crazy. So I called the administrator. He came in and I said, let me show you something. Is there too many clicks? He goes, well, you spend less, you know, less than 30 seconds. Why do you care? I said, yes, it's less than 30 seconds per click per order. And I have 20 patients and multiple orders getting. So I said, why didn't you just time me every time I click and see how many? You, I forced them to be with me the whole day. They spent two extra hours just clicking. And it was just absolutely, he was shocked because he's a software engineer. He doesn't understand the other part of it. They look at one problem, one order at a time. They don't look at the system totality of it. So that translated to creating a lot of shortcuts to you know, so avoid the two hours. Now I spend half an hour, 15 minutes and clicking instead of two hours. You know, why do I have to dictate my... Can I, why don't I get a scribe to, you know, do my job, my, what I tell them just to type it so I don't have to waste my time. Why do I do billing? Somebody else has to do it. You could calculate all that, pay somebody $20 an hour while you're making 170, 180 an hour, but you're going to see three, four more patients. So it's, it's about teaching physicians and providers how to be efficient in a safe way. And unfortunately, we don't do it because as a physician, we're just so, I want to do it right. I don't want to miss things with patient chart, all that stuff that you're missing out. And as you're seeing 20 patients, as you say, 25 patients, you don't have time to spend time. And when you're sitting on your patient, you are typing and asking questions and typing and doing this and doing this. So you're really not engaging your patient the way you're supposed to do. 
Now, practicing, for example, in clinic, free clinic, which there's no time limitation, you can arrange it however you want, there's no billing, there's none of that prior authorization, medication, there's no limitation. Now, it's beautiful to practice medicine because I don't have to do any of that. And I just, you know, so it's, so efficiency becomes the key moving forward. And then once again, unfortunately, it requires a lot of training to teach the providers how to be efficient. Exactly. And then that's my passion is on operational efficiency and personal efficiency, because when we don't have time, we have no capacity to even think, right? Just like your example. And also, uh, I agree with you. Some of the comp- uh, our EHR system are not built for uh, flow, workflow efficiency. It's really built for just entering order and documentation. And what we don't think about is that uh, the first thing actually I make all of my physicians do when they work with me is let's calculate your value per hour of work, right? And then dividing how many patients you're seeing, what type of work that you're doing. Are you actually entering that billing for your example, right? Or are you really typing all this? No. And then base calculate on if you allocate and delegate into other people, how much more you can offset and then how much more mental benefit that you can potentially gain from that. So it's like exciting in way for people. If we don't attach a monetary, a number into our value of work, people start forgetting what that even meant. And they just keep doing and doing. And I always believe busyness is not the same as efficiency. Just because you get a lot of things done and then efficiency is also not as proficiency, right? Because when we have proficiency, that leads into impact, means seeing more patients, better encounter. People actually love to come back to you because you had to look at them into their eyes. You actually hold their hands and then you actually did something, make them feel so warm and fuzzy and not just another physician who walk into the door and then, you know, do the double take and, and you're good. Okay. Bye. Next time. Right. <laughs> it's it, it, it right. definitely driving the system, make us feel like we're not practicing medicine anymore. We're just doing a service and then we have to move on. Um, so I know uh, some of your big uh, movement has also been creating this balance seven in a new way of how we're thinking about things that we haven't been able to tap into. Right. Treating people to bring better energy into them. Dr. Noristani emphasizes the significant challenges of efficiency in healthcare system and shares an example of an excessive clicks and time-consuming tasks physicians face when using electronic systems. He highlights the need to find shortcuts and delegate non-essential responsibilities, such as billing, to optimize time and focus on patient care. He stresses the importance of training providers to be efficient while maintaining patient safety, acknowledging that achieving efficiency requires a shift in mindset and effectively training programs. Quick announcement before moving forward. If you are a healthcare entrepreneur or founder looking to accelerate your social mission and increase profitability, Don't hesitate to reach out to myself and my team. You can find me on LinkedIn and schedule a 
virtual coffee chat. Let's see if we can find synergy to discuss how we can take your healthcare business to the next level. All right, let's get back to the rest of our show. How did you discover that, and what is Balance Seven? Yeah, this was an, an interesting discovery in a sense. So I was working at uh, uh, one of the hospital uh, doing critical care, and I had a patient. He's 90 years old who came in. Uh, I think he was 89 at that time. He came in with, uh, you know, upper respiratory infection, AFib, RVR with, uh, um, I mean, just almost, I mean, he was super sick in ICU for two, three days. And, uh, you know, the last day when he was there, we start talking because he could communicate now. And he asked me a question. He said, Doc, let me ask you a question. I have a product that's been with me for 50 years. They developed 50 years ago, but Every time I talk to any physician, they think I'm crazy, so they don't bother. Let me run it by what your thoughts are. You know, I've created this high page of 11.2, 11 plus, that is going to be really good for you. I said, 11.2, that's almost bleach. And I was like, eh, you must be nuts, right? Who's going to drink that? But I said, let me just see because who I am. I said, let me just do my due diligence, my research on what you're saying, and then I'll get back to you. Uh, so he went, I spent another three months researching the pH, just the fact that that was so high and how is it possible? Now, after three months, I called him. I said, I'm really interested because now I understand what pH is. Now, in medical field, the only time I see pH is in sepsis, diabetes, or some, you know, DKAs, and, and I'm talking about chronic kidney disease, etc. But we really don't really, you know, dive into value of pH internally, what that means. So that three months, they really opened my eyes. And then, so then I got the product, we gave it to some of the patient and results were absolutely phenomenal, which triggered more questions to me. It's like, why on earth this is changing so many people in so profound ways? Uh, so then, you know, spent another two years of researching it as to why. I think probably have read thousands of articles and pH and internal acidosis. Uh, there's a phenomenon called chronic low metabolic acidosis. So basically, you know, for non-medical people who's listening, is basically your body is going to through time an acidic crisis. And what does that mean? So who cares, right? Because everybody argue with you saying pH of the system is perfect because your ba- your body balances because the P- we look at pH of blood, right? I mean, it's between seven point. 35 to 7.4, but that's a gigantic number because it's a log scale. So that difference is huge. So every time your body, but people don't realize your body goes to acidosis and then correct itself, goes to acidosis. So that process of mildly acidic is what's chronic low metabolic acidosis. So why do we care? Because that is the leading cause or one of the major contributor to every disease known to mankind. Cancers, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, CBA, you name it, everything is because it's a heightened state of inflammation. And not only that, it depresses your immune system, so it affects everything else in nature. So to me, understanding that and how things work was amazing. You know, one of the other things was we gave it to cancer patient in conjunction with chemotherapy. And what happened was there was just a, I mean, it's a beautiful surprise. Not only they did, they had less side effect, the nausea, vomiting, fatigue, and weight, I mean, they didn't lose weight because they could tolerate now eating, 
their energy level was through the roof. But not only that, their response to chemotherapy was unbelievable. You know, you see pre and post PET scan of treatment with this and without this uh, a product as part of their regimen is just unbelievable. Unfortunately, obviously, this is a supplement, so I couldn't do a double-blind randomized study because they gave me a uh, phase two clinical trial, which I refused because they want to call it a novel drug. And to me was, as soon as I go that route, we're, we're just, I'm going to be chasing it, you know, a rabbit hole forever. And it requires billions of dollars to finish it, to get to phase three and phase four clinical trial. And, you know, years of, you know, that, which is okay. But at this point of time, I wanted to keep it as a supplement. I wanted to make it as safe as possible and accessible as possible without getting into multi-billion dollar industry of, of pharmaceuticals, because I just wanted to shy away. So from that standpoint, as I said, over the last few years, that's what we've been pushing to see, to teach and educate, not just common folks, but also providers. Uh, you know, we're just talking to my gastroenterologist friend at the hospital. I said, look, this is the best thing for acid reflux. He said, no way, no how that we're not going to take this. I said, what do you got to lose? Let's do a head-to-head, non-formal, informal study. You put your patients on this, the new diagnosis with balance seven, and then you put them on protonic prilosex. Tom's whatever. And guess what? And the head to head was great. I mean, it outperformed everybody now without side effects, without anything. And, the, you know, people say, well, the cancer doesn't make sense. Well, the, there are studies now. Actually, the most recent one came out of Brazil where people in there, they were drinking water with a pH of five. You can't believe it. That's what just because of the pollution and contamination. So they had an extreme high risk of GI cancer, you know, the, the gastric cancer, the uh, esophageal cancer, inflammation, esophagitis, et cetera. All they did was transfer, change that water to a pH of nine. And they saw a significant reduction in esophagitis, gastric cancer, et cetera. Not only they saw People got better, even they had cancer, but also saw a significant reduction in rate of recurrence. So they went deep inside of like why it causes this problem. So it turns out that they, they look at these are specific messenger RNAs that are effective in those uh, causes these, uh, you know, upregulation or downregulation, depending on their pH dependent messenger RNAs that affect the specific cells. So these cells are either create a significant inflammation and causes the cancer cells to go upregulated or have the stop codon effect on that. So it was interesting to see that how a simple solution of you know, alkalinity change and transform people's life and it's so simple. Uh, now this is unique in a sense of it's the high speed in the market period. There's nothing close to it. The amount of solute that we use is less than 1% of total uh, solution. And you only drink one ounce three times a day. That's it. And for cancer patients, we recommend two ounces three times a day. And it will change that pH slowly. And you'll see the transformation. And you will see the energy level goes up. You're concentrating. Mental fogginess is decreasing. For athletes, it causes a buffering system with your lactic acid production and clearance of that. So it does so much in every aspect of it. And more importantly, boosts your immune system. It allows your body to do what it's supposed to do in a healthy state. 
Right. And if you think about it, th- these are the novelties that get into the field of medicine that someone discovered. Right. And then we even talk about earlier on why physicians feel like you can't let go is because we have a sense of fear. We have a sense of uh, what we call in performance science, this 10 top sabotaging tendency. One of them is controlling. Right. If we are not in control, we don't know what's going on. It, it makes us feel anxious. But you tap into the better side, right? That higher side, what we call the explorer side. So you're, you took that new idea from your patient to say, let me figure out. I'm so curious about this, right? I, I love curiosity. Let's see if this actually works. And then going into this new field of uh, these smaller case studies and trial, you do see the benefit. And I think for most of us in healthcare is no longer, we have to do everything by the book. And now we also know by the book, how we were trained is very different on how we're practicing in reality. So as we morph, as we become uh, more innovative, both from a technology side, from a drug development side, supplement side, and even just lifestyle side, right? Uh, in a different way of eating, different way of exercise, and really thinking about more comprehensively, more open to say, I need to try something to actually show myself and others if this works. Because just because someone else say yes and no, it doesn't mean it works for you. So there's always a process into trying these uh, supplements. And I definitely, you're so right, right? Going to these bigger biotech uh, conferences, pitch competition. There are people who discover the new drugs going through the phases clinical trial, trying to get VCs to get on board. It is so much time and work just to get things through. And so I love it that you guys see a success and then keep going with this new path. So it's accessible to people without holding on where only the clinical trial patient can take it. Not everyone has the uh, ability to purchase this. So I'm sure we'll put a, a link in our show notes so people can um, check it out. I know I, I have IBS and gastric reflux sometimes, so I definitely <laughs> will try this myself. Dr. Norsani shares his personal experience with reflux and the challenges of accepting alternative treatments in the medical field. He discusses the reliance on clinical trials and the need for evidence-based practices. While acknowledging the limitations of data from different regions, he explains the unique taste of the product and its purpose, emphasizing the importance of compliance and how it can be enhanced through the product's health gauge feature. All right, don't miss out an episode. Subscribe to our podcast today on your favorite platform to get the latest insight and actionable steps from our expert speakers. Together, let's rewrite the rules for your business and create a positive social impact in the healthcare industry. All right, to conclude the rest of our exciting show, continue to tone in. You know, I have the bad reflex. I can't eat anything spicy and I love the spicy food. And you know what? 10 seconds, that's it. I eat whatever spicy, take a shot of this. Even when I do have symptoms, it goes away. I used to get the bloating, that feeling. And, you know, we had some ulcerative colitis patient that, that did receive that and they responded great. Once again, part of the problem is in the medical world, we are looking at um, 
is it you know uh, it, was it clinically you know did it went through the all the, the trial and tribulation of a double blind randomized study or not otherwise we won't accept it because that's how we've been trained to look at things and some of the stuff i don't blame everybody even me as a physician you we are hesitant to accept some of this because part of the big reason is that there's a lot of you know, nonsense out there that causes a lot of harm to patients. So how you protect yourself. And if something goes wrong, there's no protection because they're going to tell you, hey, listen, why did you do that? There's no science behind this. So, you know, the you know, science is double blind randomized study. Now, this product was in Africa prior to this for 10, 15 years, and it did wonders there in so many but the data that, I'm re- that I received from Africa is so much different because that data is not usable here because the way it's reported, right? The physician just, you know, take a hand note and say that, you know, patient reported that. And it's really, really hard to create that, uh, you know, consistency with it. So, but it's anecdotal evidence and that's really tough to, you know, give it to other practitioner or other physicians saying, hey, this is a anecdotal evidence, you know, use your best judgment. You have nothing to lose. There's no side effect on this. You can't, I mean, a lot of people, millions of people could benefit truly from this uh, amazing product with minimum to no side effect. There's no side effect unless you cannot, you don't like the taste, you know, just to tell your audience, if you do take that, the taste is a little bit peculiar, a little different. And there's a reason for it. Number one, because the higher your acidic body, the, the worse it tastes. So it tastes really bad if your body is in, in, in a, not in an alkaline state or a healthier state internally. But as the time goes, that taste slowly changes. Obviously, part of it, as you studied neuroscientists, obviously a taste button, the perception of taste changes so much with, you know, with, uh, you know as time goes on, it's like acquired taste. But also you'll see significant difference whenever you are acidic in an acidic crisis or acidic condition, the taste changes automatically. So I left it for that reason, didn't add any additive, any sugars, any things to change that taste to make it taste better. So people take it and compliance goes up because a lot of people just don't take it because, ah, the taste is bad. But there was a health gauge or health barometer that's part of that process that I was excited about saying, hey, listen, every time you take it out, it lets you know how bad you are or how good you are or are you in the right track or not. And it's there's rare or any product in the world could do that. So to me, that was the exciting part that kept on. I finally changed the taste a tad bit. <laughs> uh, so just to be more tolerant to a lot of people, because once again, compliance, compliance is a big, big factor in people taking medication or supplement or anything else. So hopefully then, you know, the new badges taste better, but it still served that purpose. I didn't completely make it taste like water or, you know, something flavor, a lot of flavor to it. So, you know, it's your body, you know, it's like this constant reminder. If you take it, it's constant reminder. Right. Yeah, uh, for sure. It doesn't matter what we invent, uh, what we create. If people don't want to do it, we don't have the behavior change that uh, matches the better outcome. Then we'll never get to that outcome. Uh, And our last question as we wrap up, uh, we talk about balance on the show. We talk about uh, performance and optimization. How do you keep yourself balanced? (laughs) Uh, Well, I I do my best. I I think it, it comes down to diet. I think diet, 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 and exercise. I think do, you cannot do without 
proper dieting and exercising. And one of them, tons of studies have shown alkalinity is the best process to, so that means fruits and vegetables and eating as healthy as possible and going to the gym, you know, just, you know, and, uh, you know, mental health is huge. So, you know, watch out for burnouts and make sure you don't burn out and you don't, uh, you know, overdo things. Um, staying healthy, enjoying family, enjoying your time. I think you gotta, you have to love what you do, and that is the most important aspect of anybody's career. Or so because you know, I I, I love to get up in the morning and go to work. I mean, I love projects. I mean, I enjoy it. So to me, it's a process, and so uh, that you know, I have tons of energy in the morning. I take my balance seven three four times. I eat, watch, you know, what I eat, and you know, exercise as much, uh, as much as I can. Perfect. Uh, I so appreciate your sharing your personal side, professional side, and the new discovery. This show is all about celebrating the wins that we have in healthcare, despite all the hardships that we're trying to solve. Uh, I appreciate uh, you for being here. As we wrap up today's episode, we're reminded of the importance of efficiency in healthcare and the transformative potential it holds for providers and patients alike. By streamlining process, optimizing workflows, and embracing innovative solutions, we can create a healthcare system that is more effective, patient-centered, and capable of delivering high-quality care. Here are a quick summary of the six major points we discussed. Number one, efficient practice not only benefit providers by saving time, but also improves patient care. By streamlining processes, reduce administrative tasks, and delegating responsibilities, physicians can create more meaningful and engaging patient encounters. Number two, by analyzing workflow, optimizing processes, and leveraging technology, Practices can reduce efficiency and enhance productivity. Operational efficiency enables healthcare providers to navigate the complexity of healthcare system more effectively and delivering high-quality care to patients. Number three, balanced seven aims to bring better energy to patients by integrating alternative medical practices and focusing on the mind-body connection. By incorporating practices such as mindfulness, nutrition, exercise, and stress reduction, clinicians can enhance the overall well-being of their patient and promote long-term health. Number four, Dr. Norstani introduced Balance 7, a supplement that aims to restore pH balance in the body. Balance 7's unique formulation and alkalinity makes it a powerful tool for promoting overall well-being and addressing the underlying causes of various health issues. Number 5. He acknowledges the fear of deviating from established practices but emphasizes the importance of exploring new possibilities in healthcare. By questioning traditional norms and actively seeking out new solutions, practitioners can discover novel treatments and improve patient outcomes. All right, so the five topics today are importance of efficiency in healthcare, two, creating operational effectiveness, three, 
balance seven level of healthcare wellness approach. Four, the power of pH balance with balance seven. Five, need for openness to innovations. Thank you for tuning into Providers Edge podcast. We hope you enjoy our latest episode and found the insights and tips helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and learn what topics you like us to cover in the future. So please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and let us know what you think. Your feedback is essential to help us improve the show and provide you with the content you need to take your healthcare business to the next level. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye.